You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365 and yes of course we will get to all of that and more uh definitely uh give a shout out to our sponsor the crypto business conference happening in beautiful san diego california next month uh less than 30 days out so looking forward to meeting so many of you there we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast and uh, on this one you know you guys are in luck uh those that are listening here as uh you're not just stuck listening to me uh for the next uh for the whole episode we have a a great interview and we actually have three guests which uh is going to be a, le- a lot of fun uh to have a conversation around really all, all things global education and you know how we kind of reimagining education uh, and with that being said, we actually are going to do a little bit of our throwback to our Mint 365 for this episode is actually uh, number 222 uh, on our uh, in our collection. And we actually minted the ED, I say ED3 or ED3 uh, Educators uh, NFT project, which we're going to talk a little bit about um, on this one. And we got a really cool, I mean, the art is really uh, great. We'll put a, a link in the show notes for those that are listening uh, on the podcast. So you can check out uh, the art and the, that project. And we minted them back on uh, June 22nd. So that's a pretty cool little throwback and connecting the dots. And, you know, I, as we bring in our guests, you know, as most of you uh, you know, have listened throughout the, you know, the whole podcast and, and the series, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, for me is really interesting, you know, people referring to me as an educator uh, in, you know, NFTs or Web3 or even as a, as a speaker. And uh, I like to say I was the, uh, the te- not, the, not the favorite of any teacher that I had uh, growing up, especially high school and college. Uh, although I was the kid that had perfect attendance, uh, I just didn't like class. I loved going to school. Uh, I think every teacher knew my name, mainly because they usually had to drag my chair out into the hallway some point during the year, uh, and so much so that my high school graduation, that the principal actually brought a chair up and said, "Hey, this is where Brian would should get his diploma because that's where he spent most of his high school." Um, but for me, it was all good and fun. Like that was our rapport. Uh, and so on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about you know all things uh, reimagining education. Uh, and I have three friends with me that we've had um, some great conversations uh, on the topic. Uh, and I think we'll we'll kind of walk through some of that. You know, for those that are listening, uh, not only you know thinking about what is possible in Web3, but you know, kind of looking at you know, current problems and ways we can reinvent solutions. So I think we'll just kind of go around the, the square as I have, have them here. Uh, Michael, uh, I'll jump over to you, and if you could uh, introduce yourself, and then we'll just pa- pass it along, and then we'll jump into some of the questions. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for, for having us on, Brian. Uh, for, for those uh, listening, watching, my name is Michael Cohen, also known as the Tech Rabbi. Uh, I'm a designer turned educator and uh, just a lover of emerging and bleeding edge technologies and ways that that type of tool set can can help teaching, help learning, and really just help anybody be a better, more capable individual in this world. So excited to talk about all that today. That works. That works great for me. Mike, Mike, we'll go next to you. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us on. And, and again, to those watching and listening, um, welcome and, and thanks for joining us. My name is Mike Peck. Uh, I'm a director of technology in a public school district, K-12 public school district. And, uh, and so I come from a background of teaching in the classroom for several years where I really love to uh, explore using technology and helping bring curiosity into my classroom. And, and now I find myself doing that, uh, not just in my school, but also uh, figuring out how Web3 uh, can impact education and bring curiosity and excitement back to learning. Love that. Welcome. Last but not least. Hi, everyone. I am not called Michael of Three Co-Founders. My name is Brady. <laughs> and uh, I am uh, an educator. I started off with Teach for America and uh, I was a teacher for a while, then a dean, and then I helped start uh, charter schools in Brooklyn. 
And then I spent two and a half years traveling around the world building international schools. And the thing that I found in all those experiences is that there are brilliant educators are all, all around the world and really awesome educational practices, but they're not being shared enough and they're not modern enough. And so um, that's where I started a company called K20 Educators last year, um, which I'm the CEO and founder of. And from that, we incubated something called Ed3DAO and Ed3Educators, um, which is the first DAO for educators by educators, uh, catalyzing innovation uh, in education. Well, I love that, and I and I do love. We have a Michael and a Mike, so that's how we're going to separate them here. We, you know, we usually we have to. If there's two Brian's, it's one with an I and a Y usually, and I have to just argue that I is greater than Y uh, in that uh, argument. But uh, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned uh, the DAO and kind of founding that, and kind of you know, I I think one of the the key components of that is you know part of this conversation is that there are brilliant education practices being happened. It's just the idea of sharing them and and not only sharing them, but sharing them so that we can build upon that rather than kind of reinventing. And, uh, you know, the mother of my children is a, is a high school uh, a teacher. Uh, and for me, you know, being able to see it on that side, you know, as a dad, and then also even that experience, I'm curious, you know, the idea, you know, first from a DAO, also incubating kind of these kind of projects, how did how are you looking at Web three kind of out of the jump being maybe a vehicle to solve some of that siloed innovation that happens kind of in that uh, education space? Yeah, I can kick it off. And uh, so one of the concepts that Web three is thriving on is uh, self organization and decentralized systems. And I think those systems are actually most conducive to sharing and learning from one another. And so that's why communities have taken um, such great interest in the concept of a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization, because it allows them to have um, deep membership and uh, incentive to actually grow the community and learn from each other. And so if we're thinking about a teacher community where teachers are sharing practice with each other, they're teaching each other, they're learning from each other, they're building relationships, that's definitely super powerful for their instructional practice. But it also needs to be powerful for their professional and career practices also. And so the DAO really like enables them to be incentivized in both intellectual and fiscal ways to basically proliferate like great practices across the industry and, and push the industry forward as a collective. I love that. And you were getting some nodding heads over there. You know, I think the, you know, the idea of the incentivized, right. And I think, you know, we, the, uh, you know, monetized side, even the gamification side, I think, you know, I think a lot of those things are, are topics that I, I know are important on the education component. Uh, Mike, I'm curious from your, you know, from your experience and your approach, when you're looking at like a DAO and that opportunity to not only make an impact, but like, you know, one of the things that I've learned, uh, you know, getting to know so many different teachers uh, that, you know, teachers, are in it because they love the ability to educate and make a difference. You know, they're not there for the money, <laughs> the glory. Uh, and, and I think the beauty of that is like, those are the people I believe are going to thrive in a web three sense because it is about that greater community and that greater impact. But Mike, talk a little bit about how that kind of came into your world and, and kind of how you're looking at, you know, something like a DAO or something about like kind of like those um, incentives would kind of help your, yourself and even uh, your peers in, you know, in the education side. Sure. So I think one of the challenges is that um, in education, uh, we have a lot of different forces sort of pulling at it. And um, those different forces are pulling in different directions. And ultimately, a lot of um, the different challenges that are, are coming from policymakers or from changes in the workforce uh, or changes at a school level, um, all those different incentives aren't necessarily aligned in the same way. And so what I think is really inspirational and really powerful and, and can be very powerful for um, educators who are looking to get into the Web3 space is that um, there's, there's more alignment of incentives. Um, we want to be pulling in the same direction. And so when you're talking about DAOs um, or any kind of digital organizations, um, having a strong vision and mission aligned to you know, whatever it is you're trying to do, I think is really important. And, and while we do this at schools, um, there's just so many factors on the outside sort of pulling at the time and the patience and the, the skills of our teachers. And so, you know, at Ed3DAO, we're hoping to be able to provide that space where we can bring teachers together, give them space to innovate and think about these new concepts and new technologies in ways that they can take it back to their classrooms and, and really um, give to their kids um, powerful tools and, and skills that they need to thrive in what's to come with Web3. I love that. I love the, you know, I think part of that, the beauty of that is that, 
you know, I think once a lot of these things start rolling, right, that shared values and mission, you know, we talk about that a lot here on the pro. I, I believe a lot of projects that have failed in the NFT space um, are because they haven't uh, understood that, you know, the importance and valuable, you know, value of that. Um, you know, Michael, I'm, you know, you and I have shared a lot of Twitter spaces together and you are very active um, as a, you know, as a collector, as someone that's, you know, sharing, uh, you know, thought leadership in this space. And, you know, my mantra on the podcast is, you know, be a collector before you're a creator and you practice that very well. I'm curious from, from that side and kind of what we're sharing here on like, you know, down and incentivizing teachers and that, you know, shared mission. How are you seeing that conversation kind of sitting today in kind of a, the current web three uh, NFT community? That's a great question. The, you know, I think the, the challenge right now is that the, the, the need for the quest for learning in the greater Web3 space is, is so critical that I think many don't even realize how, uh, how important it is for, for themselves. And I, I'll just preface with a really cool anecdote that uh, I discovered uh, the, the synergy between, you know, the DGEN kind of Web3 ecosystem and communities and education. So there in education, traditional education, there's a concept of lifelong learning. And we try to imbue that on our students. You know, summer, you know, is maybe a time to close certain books and open others, constantly learning. And it, this is the first uh, environment or industry that I've been a part of. And I've, I have, you know, past decade of being involved in, in tech from an ed tech corporate standpoint, I've never heard the word lifelong learning mentioned in another in another you know community or ecosystem, and it, it's really important for us as, as educators to look at, but also help to structure even you know awesome individuals like you that you're, you're a natural educator because of your desire to help people be informed, make independent, thoughtful decisions. And when we look at blockchain technology, when we look at this you know decentralized communities and systems, it's the idea that the community can be organized in a way that contribution is is opportunistic, but it can be rewarded. And especially in education, uh, the most amazing organizations that I'm a part of really suffer from uh, a, a very consumer-oriented role for most members. We're like, I'll go to a conference, I'll watch a webinar, but like, where's my role in helping to like carve out a path to a better, more reimagined uh, education uh, future. So those are those are kind of ideas mixing in my head, and hopefully that audio came through because hey, you were good. Is your audio audio came through came through perfectly, and it hit hit home to me. Uh, and, and I've shared this with you, you know. And I, we have to give a shout out to to Saba, who uh, is is part of the reason that kind of brought our worlds together. And uh, I, I've interviewed her, of course, on other podcasts and. I like to refer to her as one of the smartest people I've ever met in you know my entire life, and uh, and actually I texted her before we were starting today. I was like, "Look who I get to hang out with," and uh, and but I, I connect that dot because I you know for me you know her and I met via Snapchat in 2014, and I will say like up until that point, you know, thinking about like what was my role in you know the greater education conversation or the impact on education, and you know I took approach you know the ADHD mental health side was like okay. I can take what I'm learning about myself. I have a daughter that um, is diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia, so I could bring that like to my daughter's school. But it really wasn't until Saba, you know, kind of, you know, kind of tapped me on the shoulder and was like, "I need you speaking in these, uh, in these circles, in these rooms where maybe that that's this kind of kind of cross sharing and connecting the dots um, hasn't existed." I'm curious, you know, really from a standpoint of like. Um, you know, kind of cross industry collaboration. You know, I, I think we say things like, you know, it's more of a mindset shift than a technology shift as far as Web three. But that's that's great thing to say. But there are technology kind of barriers in here. There's the financial component. I'm curious, how does that kind of fall into the conversation that you're having, kind of with Ed, you know, Ed three DAO and even uh, the Ed three, you know, kind of mission that you guys are on as far as with the NFT project. Yeah, that's a great question, and. This is my personal perspective. Um, I'm not gonna speak for Michael and Mike, but I actually think that the, the value of Web3 really is in the principles and ethos and the infrastructure that Web3 is, is sort of like moving forward. And so when we talk to educators about this, we don't necessarily say like, hey, you need to learn everything about blockchain in order to like teach it to your kids. We say, you need to learn how cryptography, uh, cryptography works. You need to learn how self-organization systems work. 
You need to learn how regenerative systems work in order to better understand how blockchain works. Because in my opinion, blockchain is not going to be the last technology that is enabling us to do these things. There's going to be other technologies out there. There already are. Um, and so, and, and these type of concepts have existed for a really long time. In fact, blockchain has been around um, for at least, what, a decade now? And yet it's really taking shape and really taking flight now because people are starting to understand the utility of it. And so that's the bottom line. What is the utility of Web3 ecosystems and, and systems and tools and, and technology? And how do we get people to understand the deep utility so that they can innovate using the technology and push it even further? Brian, I think you're muted. Look at that. I was, I, I got so excited. I spoke, I was speaking to the mute button, which does not happen often on here because I'm usually talking all day long. But uh, yeah, I, I was saying, um, you know, for me, I, that not only is like the essos, I think, of what hopefully, you know, people take away from the podcast that we're doing every single day. And, but I, I also think the, the element of this is like, not only what is the utility, but even separating some of like the, the financial components, um, not from like, hey, we don't want to incentivize or, or monetize, but the, that financial barrier to entry. And I'm curious, Mike, just from, you know, some of the you know, conversations on like, what is the utility that, that hits home, like in your mind that can kind of give people that aha? And how do we get people over maybe their, let's just say, biased against crypto or bias against, you know, digital monopoly money that, that it's associated in this space? How do you look at that conversation happening, you know, uh, amongst you know, this, uh, this space, especially. Yeah. So I think, um, there's th a lot of jargon, I think has definitely scared some people away from the space. Um, but I think like what Vridi was saying, coming back to sort of those base principles and the philosophies that are governing the technology, I think are really important starting points. Um, it's not really about NFTs or it's not really about, uh, specific blockchains. Um, what's really important is, is the ethos that sort of guides all this, um, but I think like there's a couple of really clear use cases that are kind of coming to the fore. Um, one of the things you talked about is like your role in education. And I think uh, I'm a big believer that education is happening all around us. It doesn't just happen inside the four walls of a school. And I think we've we've really lacked systems to to really fairly attribute learning that's taking place outside of schools. And so what I'm super excited for is the ability of blockchains and uh, also verifiable credentials to kind of play a part in, in the systems that we have um, or building better systems than the ones that we have to be able to acknowledge all this really cool learning that's taking place outside of our four walls. And a lot of that can live on blockchain. And so um, while I think use cases are still kind of limited yet, um, I, I think that's one in particular that that can be very easy for a lot of educators to grab onto and to make sense of. And to add to that, Brian, um, your story always resonates with me because um, there are so many people that we talk to that are like, yeah, I was the kid that didn't like school. And I was the kid that like, couldn't, you know, tolerate that standardized environment. And I needed something different. Like there are so many people that talk about that. I was that kid too. Um, and so what Mike was just talking about, the verified credentials on chain um, that allow you to sort of unbundle learning, it allows you to create a student-centered learning model, right? It allows mm. people to actually um, think about like what is the pathway that a particular student needs and wants and is interested in and how do you curate that pathway so that the credentials that they receive do not live um, and are not owned by an institution, but they're owned by the student themselves. And that sort of like student-centered learning model is the thing that I think Web3 is going to push so much further because of um, because of, of the tools and tech that's available. Uh, I mean, I it even gives me like a little bit in my, like deep down, it gives me a little bit of that. Like, like, I just hope that we can fix a lot of that component, right? Because like, you know, I... For me, like my, you know, the, I, I, last time I think I was told uh, I was a, a failure or I failed at something at the level where I was told it was was in school. But I've failed plenty of times, but I was never kind of like, you know, kind of looked at that like, why can't I accomplish that thing or why can't I, you know, pass that test? And uh, and I, and I do feel like part of that conversation is like, I, and I actually, Michael, I'm curious your thoughts on this part where like when I hear like learn to earn, I'm turned off because I'm like I'm, I'm not learn to earn. I'm not ready, like learn, but if, but if anyone that knows me, I listen to three podcasts a day. I'm in, I'm literally learning all, all aspects of the day, but there's something about like, just like that idea of 
you know, either it's that impression or it's the idea of like, maybe it's like when I think of learning, I'm just really thinking of a, a controlled environment with a, a syllabus and, and a test at the end. And I think that's partially what we have to help, you know, the conversation change uh, away from, because for me, I think one of my greatest you know, skill sets is that I am always learning and there is, you know, every single minute of every day I'm trying to you know, level up, but there is like uh, an initial kind of feeling that I get there. How do we, how do we, can we like kind of like address that or kind of tackle that as a whole for kind of this, you know, the greater space to kind of get people to rethink where learning even shows up? Learn to earn, in in my mind, I, I have two very extreme standpoints. One is I wish that that would uh, never be mentioned again, but at the <laughs> same time, I I need to support those engaging in it because they are coming from a good place. The, the challenge with learn to earn or any sort of uh, extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation is that it's based on whatever that earn is. And when the earn is removed, the question is, will the learn sustain itself? I think that one opportunity to find a nice, uh, happy medium is is not the the learn to earn, it's actually the contribute to earn. And so we know as, as adults move into careers, uh, many are hired for hard skills and many are fired for soft skills. If you can articulate, mentor, support, uh, capture knowledge and present it to bring value to other, I think that that should be celebrated and that should be something that you could have some sort of earn mechanism uh, as being a student going through uh, you know, your K-12 or K-20 experience. If you had a blockchain record of your background in contributing and supporting and mentoring your peers along the way. I think that's incredibly valuable. And it should have some sort of way of showing students that in the real world, when you go above and beyond, you, you do have opportunities. Now, should the learn to earn be, uh, you know, learn, learn a lot, contribute, and then you get an iPad? Could it be, uh, you know, a scholarship that uh, goes into uh, you know, some sort of crypto account that unlocks when you graduate? Uh, could it be a, a fund that lets you launch your first business at, at some sort of, uh, you know, event that the blockchain uh, unlocks at, you know, a certain period of time or when a certain benchmark is made? But just the idea of creating an environment that students learn and they're, you know, you know extrinsically rewarded like I said, I'm not, I'm not pro it, so I won't be uh, involved in building products of that nature. But I've had on, on my own, you know, non-fungible teaching show that I, you know, just jump-started season two. I've had for season one a number of people taking that route. And I think a lot of the times the context for that is it is in communities where uh, students are, are underrepresented, undersupported, uh, they, they lack certain privileged opportunities. And this is a way to keep them locked in on school and on a trajectory that will, will keep them on, on, on a one of the right paths. But just, you know, to, to summarize, learn to earn, like you won't, you won't see me tweeting that much. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's one of those things too, where I think in this space, I think for all of our listeners too, right. I think sometimes the vernacular itself, it can be polarizing, but it also we have to look at context around it and the, the, the concept that, you know, a lot of people that would have never probably thought of themselves as creating uh, a learning program now because they believe that, hey, there is a, a way to incentivize and, and gamification can be as simple as getting, you know, stars or you're getting a, an airdropped NFT. And, you know, ultimately, if that gets somebody down the road and gets them closer towards our goal, then I think we have to look at it. But to your point, there's also this like, you know, bias and things that kind of come into the, the different ways that we share. You know, I'm curious, Mike, from a, you know, just from a standpoint of, you know, I would say today's education and then connecting it to the audience today, right? I think, unfortunately, you know, we're in the bear market, but even more so than a bear market, I think the bigger conversation is we are definitely, uh, you know, early adoption phase, kind of on that, you know, the downside of the hype curve in the sense of who's in the community. And I think, for me, like I know there was some people that had reached out to me when uh, looking at our bag of NFTs that we've uh, purchased and like, I can't, I, I see that you're supporting these causes or these beliefs, but like, what's the return or, or how, what's the, are you going to be able to, you know, get what's your ETH back from that or that kind of conversation? I'm curious from like 
that kind of into this whole, you know, not only the NFT project, but like the mission forward, I'm guessing a lot of the things like you, it just, ha- it's going to come with time as more people get into the space, but how do we get the early adopters to kind of see the importance of a lot of the things that you guys are working through? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the volatility of all this is, is definitely a scary thing. And I think that, um, someone I mentioned earlier about like the idea of like magic internet money, you know, you have this, this money on the web and it's like, it goes up, it goes down and, uh, it's really hard to, um, you know, track it. And, you know, that does, that lacks practicality for, for a lot of people. And that's a big turnoff. Um, but I think that's pretty typical of emerging markets wherever they begin, you know, there's a lot of volatility, a lot of change. And I think again, um, keep kind of driving at the same um, the same idea, and that is that what's really really important is um, at this point everything's very early, um, but I think what will win hearts and minds and build trust in what we're doing is is the focus on those core ideas um, that we talked about earlier. We talk about those base principles and the ethos and the philosophies that sort of undergird all this technology. I think that's the best way to move forward. And if we really focus on providing really high quality learning opportunities and making things accessible and looking at ways that we can align incentives better um, through our community, um, I think it, it's, it can serve as a really good role model for what can be done you know, with this new technology. So I think it's really, really important that we sort of lean into those, those principles, you know, that core mission and vision that we're developing here to help build the community's trust in, in this technology. Cause it's not just about, you know, the crypto going up and down or NFTs going up and down. What's really important is, is the community. And, you know, and I, I, I love that component. Go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Good job, man. I just, I just wanted to add one thing. Cause it's people, people need to look at the, the waves of technology as it's emerged over the past 20, 30 years. And when you look at, you know, the pets.com and some of these just wild moonshot attempts, some were successful. Uh, some like, let's take Oracle, for example. Uh, if, if people have heard of Oracle, uh, they, they don't think of it as, you know, it's not an Apple, it's not a fancy company, but it's been around. It's a pretty massive company. And they did not reach their all-time high of 1996 until 2016. And so what some people need to understand is that the average person is not comfortable uh, being part of something that is going to take a decade uh, to recover from any risk that you associate with. And a lot of these projects will either go to zero, as you know, Gary Vee said from the very beginning, 96% are going to zero. But the ones that will survive, you know, the, 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 the bear market is, uh, you know, is, is not ending in six months, unfortunately. Uh, we've seen this the crypto cycle. This could be two, three, four years before we see uh, a significant, uh, you know, upswing again. But the ones that are here right now listening, stick it out. Uh, don't invest money that you can't afford to lose. And and hopefully we can get more normies on board as uh, things stabilize. And I'm curious, you know, like that normie conversation. Like I, I like that point. And I, you know, I'm curious from a standpoint of. You know, you know, on the website, right, for your product, you know, you can mint with a credit card, you can mint with crypto, right? And I look at projects like yours that is, like, this is a, the onboarding spot, right? Because it's membership-based. And honestly, I could care less that something like this goes to zero on the resale because for Web2, we were just, we would, we were begging for a great membership community, great people to align ourselves with. And there was never the idea of a resale or a transfer or value on the end. I'm curious just from like, what are some of the things that you're thinking about as far as, you know, as you're welcoming these new, you know, maybe people that aren't, you know, as native to the space, what are some of the ways that we can kind of approach this and have them part of it? Because let's face it, we need more of them so that it's less talk about the bull market and, and, the, and the things that are going on from the, the daily flip, because there's, there's a couple hundred projects in my bag that I have never, I've not checked the floor since I bought it because I knew the investment and I knew the utility was coming down the road. But for a lot of others, they hear like a bored ape or they, you know, they have like a, a you know, exception or I'm even wearing a VCon shirt right now. You know, like Gary V can be the, the Apple exception to the, to the rules a lot of times. How are you guys looking at like that onboarding and then getting those people to be the ones that are also champions for this kind of model moving forward? Yeah, um, I, I think crypto and Web3 and NFTs 
got really big because there was a lot of money in it. Let's just be honest, right? Yep. And um, the NFTs that were flipped pr provided a lot of like fiscal value to people that had never seen fiscal value like that before. And I think that's really what, you know, made this entire thing blow up. So I think it's a good thing that that happened, right? Right. But I think now we're at like a pendulum swing where um, at first the pendulum was um, far to the let's just make money. Let's just sort of like figure out how we can sort of like, you know, benefit out of this technology. And then um, what, what it swung uh, the other way towards when the bear market started was, oh, let's just not do any of this because like, you know, no one's making money and nothing's happening. And what's happening right now, which is like in the middle of the bear market market, which is that now we're seeing projects that are really focusing more on the value of the tech and, and the utility of the tech. And so in terms of like getting more people into it, I think number one is meeting people where they're at, right? And finding the value that we think that our users are gonna want, right? So for example, even for our DAO, um, we at first were selling NFTs, right? because that was sort of like where the pendulum was. But now what we realize is actually what we're, we've created is this incredible community of innovative educators who are really excited to learn from each other and teach each other Web3. So now we're actually not selling the NFT, we're selling a membership, right? So it's semantics, but it actually matters, right? Because people are what far more um, open to sort of being a part of a community that is uh, membership-based versus like buying an NFT that in their head is just to flip, right? And so the semantics piece is one of the, the main pieces that I think is important to do. The other thing is that um, there's a lot of complex like verbiage and um, you know words in, uh, in Web3 that really trip people up. Even, the, even NFT trips yep. people up. And so like, how do we simplify those concepts and make them really relevant and contextualized for people's use cases? Um, so for example, for educators, right? Like we can say, hey, the way that you should use NFTs in the classroom is mint an NFT and get your kids to design the NFT and, and sell it and blah, blah. But what if it wasn't actually about that? What if it was an art teacher being inspired by an NFT collection and using that collection to have his students create more artwork, right? Has nothing to do with the blockchain concept or like the, con the technical concept of NFTs. It only has to do with the product of the NFT itself. Um, so like we can actually take out those sort of like semantics like we, can, we don't have to, have to talk about the NFT in that case, we could just talk about the artwork. So I think it's it's the, the wording, it's um, the contextualized use cases, it's the relevancy. And then the last piece of that is um, something that Mike has done a really great job of um, in our DAO is he's created a very personalized onboarding program where we actually, um, you know, the, the DAO is open for anyone to join, but we actually don't allow them to make any um, voting decisions until they've been personally onboarded by Mike, right? So every month he has a cohort of people where he like works with them and talks with them and teaches them what's going on. And the crazy thing is that not only is that super effective for that person's user experience, but it also has a almost 90% um, better chance of getting those people more um, substantially involved in the DAO than just being passerbys or sort of like, you know, trolls or whatever. And so, so those three pieces, I think the, the word, the contextualization, and then the personalized onboarding experience are, I think, how we get people into it. Oh, I mean, I, that, I mean, I, there's so much of that that um, uh, I've been joking a lot lately on DAO conversations that my my con contribution is I can I can share all of the bad experiences of DAOs because I feel like that's the only thing I was kind of dragged into a lot. But one of them that you're solving there, Mike, and I'd love to hear just kind of like that approach was like the drive by DAO um, sign up, you know, like, oh, I get voting rights or I have all of a sudden I have governance and there isn't even, you know, you know, I, I, I likened it to like a fraternity. I, I pledged a fraternity in college. And, and the idea that, I, that we all knew that everybody went through the same thing that, to get their letters. And there was an element of, you know, even though there was turnover, there was something about we all had gone through something. But there's also something about kind of being involved. Um, Mike, how is that? You know, I love that idea of that individual onboarding. Um, some people might say, like, how do you do that at scale? Um, which I know is you know, part of the value add that we have here. But how is that going and how, how are you thinking of it from a, a scale perspective as well? Yeah, so there was like some really important um, help that we got from a couple of our community members. And we did sort of uh, a walkthrough uh, what kind of reasons might a person want to join our DAO. 
Um, Cause we talked about a lot of the financial implications for um, like financial capital that comes in DAOs and the NFT, the crypto markets, but there's so many other forms of capital that people may want to get from an experience. So we spent a lot of time thinking about reasons why people may want to join our DAO um, and then thought about what ways can we create pathways for them to engage with the DAO in, in a way that, that suits their interests and also their skills. So, um, you know, if you go into and contribute to a lot of DAOs, sometimes it's just a lot of chaos. You know, people don't really know where to go. They don't really know who to turn to. So, so we, we are trying to imagine this. And so your question, how do we get this to scale? While right now it's, you know, pretty, you know, small in terms of like the numbers that we're, we're onboarding. But, um, you know, we plan to increase our ability to do that by offering um, several different ways for people to onboard. Um, and that includes a way that would be um, asynchronous that they could do it on their own. Um, it could be a way that they um, do it with a little bit of handholding. It could also be uh, possibly uh, totally, um, you know, synchronous with, with a, a learning cohort. And so we thought by doing that, uh, we could give them the opportunity to work with others, learn with others at their pace, at their readiness level, and do so in a way that they can take um, those learnings and then quickly jump into the DAO and contribute where they want to. Well, yeah, and I will say, I, I kind of purposely asked you that question because I think, you know, the idea of scale and being able to, you know, replicate, I, teachers, I believe, are, are the best at that. And, you know, not only with, you know, you know, being able to adapt, but also recognize that there are people that are coming into classrooms and, and NFTs. And I think this is also a great argument for, you know, I believe the future blue chip projects are slow burn projects because you know if there's 10,000 people coming into a DAO on on in one day how do you onboard how do you create you know some kind of um you know kind of layer that's in there and so i i mean i'm i'm very bullish on projects that are able to build on that slower burn you know kind of uh you know progress uh, michael i'm curious you know for those that are listening here you know they're they might be thinking okay you know understand there, there there's a DAO there's NFTs I know you guys are also working on a on an unconference um, component as well. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, and maybe for those that are listening, maybe even how they can get involved or things that they can think about uh, participating as well. I feel like Vridi really, <laughs> for all the work she puts in, should actually be the one to share that. Uh, so I, I'm actually going to you know, lean in on her. But before before I let um, her tackle the the unconference, I just want to like celebrate Mike for a moment. Um, you know, none of us are good at like bragging about the hard work that we do, but one of the things that is really powerful about the way that he creates onboarding is number one, you have to show up. That's, it's easy to click a discord link and join a discord, but to actually show up in a zoom room, I know it's boring web too, but when you show up in a zoom, you're just a, a smidge, a little bit more invested, but that you go through that learning process to just understand the purpose of like why we're all here and having that clarity, especially for educators, Discord is Discord sucks. Like, sorry, I know I'm a rabbi. It sucks for, it sucks for yeah. everyone. <laughs> educators aren't alone in that one. We just <laughs> it, it is the the best worst solution ever. And for a lot of our uh, our members and potential members, they're just like, they can't. They, they, it overwhelms them. They close it and they run away. So by by Mike creating this environment that like leads with empathy and really gets them to understand the big mission, then they can kind of like figure out how to deal with the crazy tech. But if their entry point is like crazy tech or like, how do I set up an ETH wallet to like buy the NFT just to like talk with smart educators, they're, they're overwhelmed. Uh, so shout out to him. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll let Vridi uh, share uh, on the conference because she's putting her her soul. I, I put a little bit of brain into it, but uh, she's the soul of this element of this uh, work we're doing. Great. Yeah, for sure. So the unconference is um, it's a virtual conference. It's avatar based and it's a choose your own adventure conference. And um, the reason we we've, we've modeled it that way is because we actually want to model what Web3 unbundled learning should look like which is it should be personalized, it should be human-centered, it should be a choose-your-own-adventure situation, it should be multimodal. And so this conference is actually emulating a lot of that, which we're really proud of. And so at any given moment, you can go to a talk, you can go to a lab, you can go to a workshop, you can do networking, you can play a game, you can um, you know, do an immersive uh, experience. There's like so many things. You can check out vendors, all that kind of stuff. 
And um, there are four main themes for um, the, the learning that's going to be had there, uh, which is around the future of learning, the future of teaching, the future of community, and the future of earning. So all of our sessions are bundled uh, under all of those things. And what we're doing is we're, build, we're bringing the Web3 community, the experts that are building and innovating in Web3 around education, with the education community, the people that have no idea what Web3 is, and they're like really curious to move their, you know, student-centered learning uh, practices and their project-based learning practices and immersive learning practices forward, um, but they're curious about Web3 and they wanna learn how that, that can help them. So those two communities coming together, um, and we have um, speakers from all types of awesome Web3 organizations uh, like Gitcoin and, um, and Telos and Polygon and Coinbase, but we also have all um, these incredible speakers from education like Getting Smart and Fordham University and um, Learning Economy Foundation. And so they're, they're all sort of like getting together. And this is actually the first conference of its kind that is at this scale, bringing Web3 and education together um, in a way that is both sort of high level, you'll learn about introductory concepts like what is blockchain, what is NFT, why does it matter? to much more deeper discussions, like how do we think about decentralized identities and, and on-chain credentialing? How do we think about um, you know, uh, zero knowledge proof to protect our identity and our, and our privacy? So it's basically sort of on the, spec the entire spectrum of, of learning. And again, people can choose their own adventure so they can um, you know, go where they want. And it's a, it's a three-day virtual experience. Uh, well, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I love, you know, first of its kind, we'll definitely include the link uh, in the show notes for all those that are, are, are watching and listening. I think the other premise here that is, you know, demonstrated, uh, and for those that haven't kind of caught the component here, you know, what you're doing with the NFTs and the DAOs is ultimately you're walking the walk on what we have to think about on innovation, collaboration, community across education, right? What you're doing with the event is demonstrating what we can, how we can rethink that education component, choose your own adventure style. And I think that alone is what we have to look at as, you know, it's, it's easy for us to tell people to do things, but if we also aren't kind of activating them um, ourselves, I think we're going to, we're ultimately we're spinning our cycles and, and I think we'll, we'll get some early adopters, but I think it'll be uh, a lot harder in that, you know, bigger run. Um, you know, I, I, you know, as we kind of pull this together, you know, I will have the, the links for everyone that, that is listening that wants to kind of jump through. Uh, Michael, I'll kick it over to you from a standpoint of, you know, you know, we like, I think looking outside the market, but you know, the idea of bringing educators together and the web three uh, community together, you know, part of the beauty of these last couple of months is that there are a lot of people that could talk a, a really good game. Maybe they got lucky. We're in clubhouse and got a bored ape. Um, they've kind of disappeared, right? They've gone, uh, you know, kind of into their own uh, world. And I think there is this element of, of, impact-driven leaders that are, you know, here in this space. How are you looking at it from like, you know, the tech that can still be empowered? Because in a lot of the cases, we, we were joking about Discord, but I'll tell you, I had a call this morning with someone that is building something that is supposed to be like replace Discord or be better than, and it was not. Um, and I had to give them some, so just some feedback that was like, no, like the, you're not going in a way that I feel any more comfortable and I'm already very tech heavy. So I'm curious, like your thoughts on like there, as much as we, we think about blockchain and the tech, there's a lot of the software, the protocols and things that aren't at a place for us to truly do, you know, token gating at uh, IRL events that aren't uh, at a budget of VCon, where are you looking at some of those places where we're starting to see some tech innovation that hopefully can kind of drive the you know education as well? I think there's a couple different ways that uh, the world, uh, you know, the education industry, both, uh, you know, educators and students as well uh, can start to interface and, and help um, bring, uh, you know, bring a, it's not just a scale. There, there's things that are just missing. And you see, uh, you know, Token Proof is a great example of a product that you sit and kind of wonder, like, where was this for, um, like, the year before it existed? Like, it, it's so simple. It's so obvious. And we need more young people experimenting and exploring. But their vantage point right now, if they know what Web3 is, it is... Uh, Oculus and Meta is the metaverse, and NFTs are these things that you you know make make you know mil you sell million dollar JPEGs or you know Beeple and his you know sixty nine million dollar collection. 
So we, we have educators that we are trying to upskill to be contributors to the ecosystem so that onboarding and community management uh, are done better and uh, mature. And then getting students to have the art, design, marketing, communication, and technical pathways so that they start the building and the experimentation when they're young, when they're in school, so that when they are ready to go full-time into something. And the truth is, in 2022, you don't have to be full-time, graduate from college to be a contributor. Uh, we know there are plenty of examples of, uh, you know, Nyla and her long neckies or, uh, yes. you know, uh, young young crypto, you know, with the support of their parents that are, you know, totally blowing, you know, blowing our minds. But one of the common threads that I see happening right now, since uh, there is a less of a focus on uh, quick flips, I think Franklin is the only one that's still making money uh, in this space, is that the people that are here now care more about the space because there isn't much money to be made, so to speak, at least you know on the scales that we saw prior. And those people are now engaging in uh, conversations with, with me, with, with uh, you know, Vridi and Mike and other members of our you know, sort of extended community in a little bit more of an appreciation for the social impact where uh, a education-focused NFT uh, might right now not be seen as something that, you know, is a good quick flip. So I, I've seen lately, when I say lately, I mean like the past couple of weeks, the past couple of months have been kind of rough. People are like, oh yeah, I want to support, but like, you know, I've, I've over leveraged my ape and like, I'm about to lose it if I don't like cover uh, <laughs> Ethereum margin. And I'm just like, what, like, what, what were you thinking? But, you know, I digress. So we, we see more of an interest and more of a merge, but it's really about us helping the future of Web3, which is the, uh, you know, Gen Z, but also Gen Alpha, start building and experimenting and thinking properly for a Web3 future that we hope will be fully decentralized and not controlled by, you know, an oasis of, uh, you know, singular companies. Well, I mean, I mean, that's, the, I mean, that so much of that is, you know, spot on. I, I do look at, you know, it's unfortunate that some people have either, you know, dr- you know, unfortunately, you know, liquidity stuck in things that, you know, at the time was short, you know, thinking where they do want to have bigger impact. And it's like one of those things where it's like, man, I wish we could go back and dial back a couple of these, you know, early decisions where we could be a little bit more um, impact driven with our, our resources at the moment. Um, you know, Mike, I'm curious, you know, it, Michael mentioned a little bit about educating Gen Z, but also, you know, one of the pr- principles that I believe is missing in this space is actually like a train the trainer mindset, right? And I like that to me is so missing where this space doesn't really work unless we can help the people not only know enough to be dangerous, but know enough to talk about it when they talk about it with their friends or their family or their you know peers. And I think that's even another layer because it's one thing to be like, well, I, I got my wallet set up. I think I have my seed phrase somewhere. But when someone comes up to them and says, well, what blockchain are you on? Or, or you know, how, how are you doing that on your mobile device? There is like that, like, if I don't know the answer to that, I'm not even going to get in. So I'm just curious, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a, a selfish question for, you know, for us and our audience from a standpoint of how can we, cause I feel like as teachers and especially Gen Z, like they are really, really good at talking about things and educating their peers. If, if anyone doesn't believe that, just go watch TikTok. And when you get through the dancing ones and you get to the education ones, I learn more about, I, I learned something about like, Darwinism and this component of history that I had never even comprehended in my entire life at 41 years old from a 17 year old on TikTok last night. And I was like, holy, like she, she had visuals. It had the green screen behind her and it was in like the three minute format. So I guess, Mike, I'm curious just from that, like Gen Z mindset, but also that train the trainer mindset, what are some things we can think about that we can do for, you know, kind of help our peers in this space right now? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, I think a couple things. So, like tying it back into the education space. So, like in in my role, and I think just in education more broadly, like educational leaders, it's really important to create space for your educators to explore, um, to bring their curiosities, to bring their passions and interests into the classroom. Um, unfortunately, testing has done a number on um, you know really dampening uh, the fire, I think, that that many have for teaching um, because we have to teach to a test and not everybody is going to be successful at that. And not all success metrics should be tied to a test. 
So like in my role, um, I want to be able to give um, educators the skills and the tools that they need to do their best work and then get out of their way. Let them be the artists, let them be the practitioners, let them take the pedagogies and apply it in their classrooms in a way that gets their kids, you know, motivated to learn, curious to learn more. And so, um, you know, when you talk about train the trainer, uh, my goal is, like I said, to give them the tools give them the understandings they need and then get out of their way. And my job is to help create that space for, for that learning to occur on their end. And then they can take it back to their classrooms. So I think that like in education, we have to do a good job of, and a better job of, of creating space for, for that type of environment. Um, and I think more broadly, um, how do we sort of empower others to, to teach this stuff? Um, we talked about the jargon being uh, in the way. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, one of the things that we're also working on is, is creating micro-credentials um, for educators, but really anybody to learn about Web3 and education, or, or sorry, I should say Web3 concepts. Um, though we are working to, to bring this into the classroom, um, anybody's going to be able to take our micro-credentials. And the way that we designed them was such that people are doing stuff. They're, they're hands-on. They're having conversations with their peers. And so they're learning not by taking a test or by listening to somebody to talk to them, you know, just about the topic they're actually doing. And so what I think is really important is that when we're delivering or trying to teach others about the space, you know, we have to do the best we can to kind of limit the jargon, but also provide the information in a variety of modes that, that someone can then understand and, and then experience and use themselves. So when you talk about your experience with TikTok, it was the, the visual, the audio that was connected in such a way that really landed for you. Um, chances are you might have heard it uh, before, but, but that's really what worked for you. And so um, with our credentials, we're really excited because we had some really um, great educators who've really thought hard about how do we make this in such a way that it really sticks for people. Um, I think that's what's going to be really powerful for the space to expand. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love that idea. I think that is a you know a big component of that is like, you know, I, I always say like, I don't like rules. I've always been a rule breaker, but I don't mind swim lanes, right? Like give me swim lanes. Tell me where the end of the pool is. I'll get there. It might not be a straight line. It might, you know, be on all sides, but at least we're, you know, kind of getting there. And I think that's, uh, you know, definitely an important component. Uh, you know, Vridi, I'm I'm curious from a standpoint of, you know, there are a lot of people that are listening now that are still looking for their role or their place within web three. Like I hear this a lot on Brian, maybe I'm not an artist. Maybe I'm not a developer. I'm not a marketer. I don't have a Twitter following. I'm not a content creator. And there's people that are kind of in that arena. But then I think there's also people that are kind of looking for it and saying, you know, what is the impact we're making versus just putting another stamp on the same old innovation or the same old, you know, collaboration practices that we have in, in the past. How would you help people kind of just open their mind to saying like, if you by entering it this way and us doing things a little bit differently, the possibilities are are endless and the impact is truly, you know, really something we haven't even you know, can probably can't even visualize at this moment. Yeah, I, I think that's a really complex question. And I, I could look at it in a couple of different ways. One way is Web3 right now is limited in scope because it has just been, uh, you know, has just become popular, which means that, that there aren't enough people in the world right now actually working within it. And when we say we're early, um, we really are really early. I mean, there are still people that I meet and they not only not know what blockchain is, but they've literally never heard the term in their life, right? Which is like hard to perceive because I feel like blockchain and crypto is everywhere. And yeah. like literally I meet people and they're like, I don't, I've never heard the word crypto, cryptocurrency in my life. And so I think first we have to recognize that we are really early and there might not be a place for everybody in Web3 right now, and that's okay. Um, but then we also have to realize that Web3 is going to be like any other web technology in that it's going to be everywhere and you won't even know it, right? So if you think about how, um, so, so blockchain, for example, has been integrated into supply manufacturing since 2013, right? Yep. MIT and Stanford and Microsoft have been using it for credentialing since 2018. And so these things have been sort of in play for a long time, but we don't know it. And so I would say it's less about, you know, what is your place in Web3, but more about how can you make yourself aware of what's happening so that even if you're not a 
massive contributor to the space, you can actually find opportunity in the space in the way that it is um, manifesting even from like a, you know, web two sort of level. And then the other thing is um, the contextualization piece, I think is really, really important. So um, there's, you know, people work in all kinds of different industries and you can sort of like name, you know, a million different industries that exist. Well, guess what? Blockchain is being integrated into every single one of those, right? And so the question is like, how is blockchain and how is Web3 being integrated into your industry? What examples can you find that are um, really relevant to what you do on a daily basis or what you aspire to do? And um, how can you, um, you know, learn about the piece, the small piece and the small concepts within Web3 that are going to be ultimately most impactful for your industry? So I feel like that's sort of like the, the way that people should think about it, which is like, actually, I don't need to be like a full part of this because it's so early. But if I am going to be a part of it, let me think about it so that it's super relevant for me and it can actually benefit me and, and help me sort of move my industry forward, move my own career forward within my industry in the next six months, 12 months, five years. Uh, I love that. I mean, I think there's just so much power also in just surrounding yourself with people that are willing to, you know, push the, the limits or, you know, we, I love the word reimagine, right? It's been used by all three of you in this uh, interview. And I think to reimagine a lot of it is how do we connect outside of the silo or the industry that we're in? And for me, that was the aha I had on my impact on education was like, wait a second, I can bring my experience, my knowledge, and even translating some of the things that I see, you know, across the the border. And I always say this, like in the in the mental health uh, space, is like my goal is in round, especially around ADHD and mental health, is to get the right people in the wrong rooms and the wrong people in the right rooms because so many great conversations are happening and just the right people aren't in there. And then when the right people are in there, it's the wrong room and not the right people. And, and so I think that's a beautiful thing of what, you know, um, ED3 represents as well, right? The idea that, you know, you can go to the conference, you can be part of a DAO and really kind of figure out where, you know, your experience shows up, but also be inspired about, okay, that, they're taking this and implementing it this way. How can I pull those, you know, variables away and then implement that in my space? So uh, I want to thank all three of you for, for definitely jumping in. Did you want to throw anything in there? Uh, you can throw in something at the end if you'd like to. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that um, not everybody has to be a builder and not everybody has to be an innovator. Not everybody has to be a founder. And I think that people sell themselves short when they say they're not one of those things. It's really important to be somebody who implements, somebody who um, complements, somebody who is sort of like the cheerleader or somebody who is the user of something. Like it, it's not, you, you don't have to be like the person who's innovating in order to have a huge impact in this industry. Yeah, having a bunch of innovators with nobody to test or implement or give feedback is literally the world of beta testing and alpha testing of products. <laughs> and and that's why none of that goes anywhere because we all want to be the creator or the builder and none of us are, are, are kind of willing to show up there. And, and I think this is a, you know, a great conversation. You know, thank you for, you know, for joining us. Love what you're doing for the space. You know, and I would also just challenge you know, everyone that's listening here. This is a great episode to take to the to you know and send it to someone that maybe is the the confused on where this value prop of Web three is or how does a DAO fit in to you know giving people a reason to participate uh, in true innovation and collaboration and uh, it kind of ties into you know my mantra has been you know I believe the future of innovation is powered through collaboration and I think that collaboration. Uh, is able to happen when we remove the borders, we remove the centralized components, and that's what happens with DAOs and NFT projects like uh, ED3 here that we have here. So we'll include the show notes for everybody, uh, all the links that you can check it out. You can check out the Unconference as well. Um, and of course, as always, my friends, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Crypto Business Conference. Love having great conversations like this one. I think the interviews are the thing that remind me the most about how important you know offline events are, you know, taking our Web3 you know, hashtags, our GMs, our GNs, our WAGMEs, and uh, taking that offline and, and you know, connecting with people deeply in the uh, IRL space and, and getting to know each other, amplifying what's going on. Uh, and what better place to do that than beautiful San Diego, California. It's happening at the San Diego Convention Center. It'll be a, an awesome one-track intimate experience, so definitely check it out. Look forward to seeing you there. Just go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash NFT 365. And until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. 
The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.